Phase World Podcast helps independent creators live their creative and financial freedom. I'm your host, Fei Wu, and I'll be taking you through a series of interviews with creators from around the world who are living life on their own terms. Each episode is packed with tactics, nuggets you can implement, origin stories to make listening productive and enjoyable. We're not only focused on the more aspirational stories, but relatable ones as well. We also have non-interview-based mini-series releasing throughout the year to help deep dive into topics such as freelancing, marketing, even indie filmmaking that will benefit creators like you. Show notes, links, and ways to connect with the guests are available on phaseworld.com. Now, on to the show. Hi there, this is Fei Wu, and I'm so excited to record this because for the first time in my household, my partner and my mom are not staying here. I don't know how you guys feel about being a creative person now, not only in the 21st century, but, you know, it's living in the pandemic. So if you have children running around, you probably discover that it's hard to manage your time. Uh, find It's really tough to find a quiet time to do your work, such as recording a voice intro for your podcast. Well, as I'm doing this, I can already hear somebody coming through the door. But, you know, today I want to let you know that I have invited a lovely guest. Her name is Lauren Goldstein. I met Lauren through uh, our mutual connection, Michael Roderick, who I'm also excited to bring on Phase World Livestream uh, shortly. So with that said, you know, who is Lauren? Uh, why did I invite her to the show? Uh, well, she is a maverick leader, business doctor, strategist, innovator, problem slayer, consultant speaker. There are a lot of titles associated with her and her work. She founded Golden Key Partnership and works with what she calls and refers to as a seven-figure businesses uh, solving complex business problems. So I've asked her to join me in breaking down the formula she uses to build a successful business as a woman, specifically what we need to get clear on, the common mistakes most of um, you know, early entrepreneurs uh, make. Maybe you are one of them. Maybe you are seasoned, uh, a seasoned entrepreneur, but there's something I'm sure you can definitely gain from this conversation as well. So um, feel really privileged to be able to connect with so many people. And um, you know, Lauren uh, lives in Texas, which I found out. I just somehow assume that everybody I interview are from the Northeast or the tri-state area. It's certainly not the case with her. And it's just fascinating to uh, understand, you know, different lifestyles and uh, different businesses that people are running. So I'm really grateful that you are here. By the way, you may be wondering, you know, why is Face World Podcast different these days? Why is she going live with everybody? Well, I've mentioned this on my show previously, but if this is the first episode that you're listening, welcome. And I want to let you know how special it is to be a live streamer these days and how I do it is I invite all my guests to simply join me on Zoom. Everybody's so familiar with the platform now, right? So I don't have to explain another app. I have to run so many tests. Everybody's pro at using Zoom. So that's where I decided to stick around. But I'm using what's called a multi-stream service, such as 
Restream to broadcast to so many different platforms. And for me, uh, those platforms are Facebook, meaning my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, my Twitter account slash uh, Periscope, uh, my two different YouTube channels. And um, I also have a sort of an aggregator and an iframe player right on my website where you can see and witness all of this. So if this sounds remotely interesting to you, well, definitely come check out faceworld.com forward slash livestream. I offer one-on-one consulting services to help people uh, bring their content online. You know, do it once. You don't have to wait for weeks for your editor to edit the show and it's all out there. I'm so proud of this endeavor. I really am. I'm so excited, not just for me and my show, but for you and to check out the potentials that, you know, Livestream will have on your business really without doing that much more work. Um, I know that live streaming is not the most popular thing, isn't a household name just yet, but I think it's really important for us to stay ahead of the curve and to, you know, to lead others. Maybe one of the things that you could consider is once you learn how to live stream and multi-stream, you can invite your friends, family, maybe your colleagues, your mentors to join you. Because once I notice, once people join you, on the show, then whatever it may be, you know, you may or may not even have a podcast. It actually encourages and promote other people's vision, services, but then allow them to see their future and the possibilities they could have with live streaming. So, um, well, that's plenty of introduction. And um, again, I want to definitely see you subscribing to the show. Check us out on faceworld.com forward slash live stream. And if you're interested in other events, and live stream just like this before we hit um, edit button and then kind of launch the show on our podcast, we'll visit phaseworld.com um, forward slash events. And that's where you can, you know, add these events to your calendar and join us live. So without further ado, please welcome Lauren Gostein to Phase World Podcast and Phase World Livestream. everyone. This is Fei Wu. Welcome to Face World Podcast Live, something that I've been uh, doing since three months ago because instead of, uh, you know, producing post-production and worrying about all these things, I just decided that I want to go live, be very raw. Right here, I have Lauren Goldstein. Welcome, Lauren. So glad you're here. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really, I'm jazzed about our conversation today. So thanks, mm-hmm. thanks for having me. Me too. I feel like I mean, in real life. I mean, this is real life. Uh, if you were to live in Boston, I would imagine us going to Starbucks, Pete's Coffee, and just do this, uh, you know, when nobody is watching or listening. But I think it's such a privilege to be able to do this with you live so other people can sit in. Um, yeah, so let me do something really awkward. I never read somebody's bio ever on my podcast, but I want to do this because I want you, to, you guys to hear what Lauren has written. Plus, I totally post the, you know, old bio. So this is an opportunity for me to correct (laughs) myself. And we're going to talk about the process of how you can approach yours and why she chose a certain words and and phrases. So here I go. Uh, Fondly known by her clients as the business doctor, Lauren Gostein, founder and CEO of boutique strategy consulting firm, Golden Key Partnership, has been helping business businesses scale more strategically for close to 10 years. Her superpower is acting as the interim COO to simply and effectively diagnose what is keeping a business stuck at status quo and then helping them them strategically prioritize to bust through those bottlenecks. 
melding her medical mind with her business expertise, her magic happens in the two millimeter space of strategic microscopic adjustments that create traction and momentum in operations and team dynamics to move businesses from overwhelm to sustainable scaling. Wow. All right. There we go. Yes. I love it. <laughs> That's such a mouthful, but I, I, I still really love it. <laughs> why, why, yeah. Why do you love it? Actually, there are a lot of, could you dissect this for us? Because a lot of people are like, wow, I mean, it's overwhelming, but it took you 10 years to get here. I mean, has this always, always been the verbiage for 10 years? Did you change it recently? What, what is the process? Great question. Um, no, this was not the original one when I started 10 years ago. Um, and I think that's a really great business lesson is, is I think sometimes when we start a business, we think this is it, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm just, I'm going to ride this horse forever. And really, I think businesses are this living, breathing thing that change with you. You know, I've changed as a person. I've gotten, you know, better at communicating and leadership. And of course, my craft of consulting and, and really like being that business doctor. And so for me, I would say this bio changes. I wouldn't say weekly, but it changes often because it's like, oh, I could say that in a little bit better way that makes more sense or lands better. Um, but the reason, the reason I love it is because it kind of tells you who I am. Mm-hmm. It tells you how long I've been doing this. It tells you what makes me different. Um, I mean, I don't think there are very many strategy consultants out there that have a background in cognitive neuroscience, but I do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I, I just think it, it does a really good job of, of painting a picture of how I can help you with your business and scaling. So what would be the most recent change you applied? Maybe it's just a couple of words and why did you change them? Yeah. So for me, um, I think probably the things that I changed is that two millimeter space. That was the most recent addition. Mm -hmm. Um, And then actually the one that I'm looking at now, which we just changed like a few days ago, um, because our business is continuing to evolve and we've actually refocused on specifically operations and team. Like we've, we were doing like bigger strategy, but those are really the sweet spots. So now, you know, I say um, like the last line is where CEOs are no longer the bottleneck teams are working cohesively and effectively or efficiently for maximum impact. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line of the business is constantly rising. So just some like feel good things at the end based on uh, client feedback that I've gotten. Mm, awesome. Well, speaking of client feedback, and I'm very curious about your origin stories because you do have a quite different story uh, and path there. Um, but, you know, could you maybe give us a sense for uh, what you do for some of your clients? What, what is at the core of your business offerings? Yeah. So the core is what I call a business breakthrough. Um, it centers around three main things. The first is the revenue cliff that a lot of business owners are not aware of its existence in their business. So we help them figure out where theirs is and also how not to let their business fall off to its death because <laughs> that would be bad. <laughs> um, the second is actually helping entrepreneurs um, and CEOs specifically because I work with seven-figure businesses um, really make the shift from chief everything officer where even if you have a team, there's stuff spilling onto your plate and you feel like maybe you're working 
harder than when you didn't have a team to true CEO. Um, and, and that, that, that is a challenging transition to go from business operator to business owner. And, um, I jokingly say, you know, when my clients are like, I have a team problem or I have a time problem. I'm like, you don't have a time problem. You have a team problem and OPS, you're probably the bottleneck and it's you, it's not them, which they don't love hearing, but I'm a truth, I'm a truth teller. (laughs) And then the last, the last part that we focus on, um, is the gap in your team because a lot of of times when you're building a business, especially when you start, you fall into the trap of hiring people that are just like worker bees. So they're just doing tasks. And that's great when you have people in the middle who have a plan that can run with you. But if you have a, a lean team of nothing but worker bees who I love, but they're gonna they're gonna suck your time and your energy and you're not gonna get as fast. Um, or as far, as fast as you would like. And so we look at which of those areas is the biggest bottleneck and how can we create a, um, a prioritized plan to create the momentum and traction to actually move you forward for not only more simple scaling, but sustainable scaling so that you know you can enjoy the things you want to do in life rather than worrying about you know, is your company going to run without you if you go on vacation for two weeks or mm-hmm. feeling like you're just on a nonstop firefighting mission every day? Um, so in terms of these seven-figure business, and I somehow that just hit me because I, I realize oftentimes I'm going uh, after uh, people without that level of revenue. And sometimes it's much harder to sell to people who are less established. So people are thinking like looking at you, you're a young woman and you know, you're working with a lot of CEOs. What is the setup of some of the companies? Because I know that these days there are a lot of like single or two person, seven figure businesses floating around. Where are you currently in, you know, massive organizations? Uh, what, is, what is the size like? And I also wanna know what your day-to-day is like, right? Like how you start these conversations. Yeah. So first of all, I have great skincare. I'm not as young as I look, so I appreciate that. (laughs) Um, So my sweet spot is teams of about five to 25. Okay. Um, Could be be a little bit bigger. Could be up to 50. Um, But... You know, it's it's a lot of of um, like real estate brokers or wealth management or SaaS companies, um, even some lawyers. Um, let's see, what other doctors? I worked with several doctors, and um, you know, you have those companies that are very lean and making seven figures, and I love those companies. Those just those aren't the companies that I work with because I'm looking to work with organizations that have more human capital that want to make um, an even bigger impact and are, are just having trouble managing all the moving pieces and the duct taped things and the, well, we added this when we were in this stage, but this thing's kind of holding us back. And so it's it's about getting all the moving pieces working synergistically together. And since my superpower is like, really, I can look at a business and be like, this is the problem. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. if you don't have like a lot of those moving pieces, I can see what the problem is, but you may not have like the resources behind you to really efficiently fix it with me. Mm -hmm. And would you be providing those resources to some of these clients potentially, or maybe you're, you can be hiring additional resources 
knowing what the job descriptions need to be and manage that team. How do you fix that type of issues? Yeah. So it depends on the level of engagement. Sometimes, you know, they just need a business breakthrough and then they go and run with it. Sometimes it's a, you know, about half a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And then other times I come in like an interim COO. I look at what's broken, what needs to be fixed. It's really like locking arms with the CEO as kind of that interim second in command Mm -hmm. to actually dissect and diagnose their whole business and look at who they need to hire. And hopefully during our time, you know, what I actually do is look at, you know, where are their team gaps, look at their current team, who's operating well, who's not. And then ultimately figure out who their second in command is and help them bring that person on to take them to the next level. Mm -hmm. Are you like involved in the interview process as well, potentially? I mean, sometimes, but most often um, what I say is I, I could do the whole thing, right? I mean, I've successfully hired for myself and, and others, but if I'm doing all the work and not actually giving you the tools and the training to do it, then you're not generally going to get the people that jive with you. You'll get people that jive with me, but also fit with you. Mm-hmm. And so what I do is really get the CEOs educated on what the best team is mm-hmm. to build around them, what kind of operations they need to support their long-term growth. And then I coach them, like this is the only kind of coaching I do. I coach them on how to word their job descriptions to attract the right people, as well as um, because of my background in neuroscience and also um, I'm a board certified NLP practitioner. I know certain questions that you can ask that will reveal, um, I know this sounds kind of shady, but it's not shady. Um, It reveals personality traits that will show you, like, for example, if you're hiring a manager, there's three questions we can ask that will tell you if that person actually has what it takes to be a manager. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's about like putting in the frameworks and understanding the process so they can duplicate it over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. It's not shady at all. For people who don't know this, and I'm not an expert, so NLP is neuro-linguistic programming. Mm -hmm. It's very powerful stuff, very fascinating. And I was quite into it, I would say 10 to 15 years ago, and I feel like I need to get back into it. Um, So much to learn. And by the way, I think especially for women, there's so much you can get out of NLP. When you look at that as a community, I feel like there's very male-dominated still Um, But I think women can gain a lot, especially if you want to be uh, a woman in leadership or a woman who needs to influence a whole lot. Um, So I definitely want, you know, people who are watching this right now, some of you guys don't have your own company yet, where you're like this one-person operation. But we're definitely going to get to that because, you know, Lauren doesn't have a huge company to do what she does. Before we get there, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm really curious for these five to 25 person companies, still smallish for sure. Uh, I've interacted, experienced, consulted for a lot of these companies. What are some of the common things that you have seen? What are some of the two millimeter microscopic problems and solutions that you have seen? Great question. So I think probably the top three things that I see are, um, CEOs who are having trouble giving up control. Mm -hmm. I've seen those. Yes. (laughs) Um, That's, that's definitely a shift. Um, 
The other component is that um, there's this, this is going to be controversial, but there's this like ever present, make more money, make more money, make more money. Um, and a lot of times the, the operations that they have for fulfillment and customer satisfaction and all of those things can't support that influx of clients or customers or revenue. So it's, it's making like the analogy that I use is um, there's two types of hoses. There's like a garden hose and then there's the watering hose and the watering hose has like all these little microscopic holes in it. And it doesn't matter how high you turn up the water, it's still leaking everywhere. And so that's really one of the biggest things is making sure that the foundation is shored up, that there aren't any leaks. That's number two. And then I think the third thing is really understanding the team that you need to get to the next level. Because to, to go back to what I said earlier, one of the biggest mistakes I see early entrepreneurs and even mid-sized businesses make is just hiring a lot of people that will just check things off a list rather yeah. than like figuring out what is like the one or two things that somebody needs to have in this position to be just a star or a superstar and have their own plan and run with it. Um, and I think that's honestly because of a little bit of a misconception about delegation, but also in schools, we're taught that you should work on what you suck at. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's not like, that's not an efficient way to run a business. Like you got into business because you had a great idea or you had a superpower and you need to build a team around you that their superpowers are your weaknesses and then you have this like really amazing synergy and partnership. Yeah. I'm not trying to hide my arms. I'm just getting a little cold in my office here. Um, oh, good. <laughs> but I love your analysis because it sounds like, yeah, delegation doesn't mean patching uh, what's not working or finding people to simply check things off. Or, you know, sometimes I see that they don't offer uh, where they have to give very spe specific checklists and to-dos and, to me, you might as well hire a certain type of virtual assistant for it. And I have a huge respect for very strategic thinkers who are VAs. Um, but I agree with you. I feel like even though my company is quite small, it's fairly tiny. I literally operate uh, on a producer I cannot live without, Herman, who's edits, who produces strategic thinker, all of that. I am a VA as well. Um, and, you know, Rose has been fantastic but that's it. And I, and I, I work with another VA more recently for my mom's work, my, the, all the dresses I've been designing and her name is Anna based in Italy. Amazing. And they're very different levels and ages. And yet it was very important for me to tell them what my brand is about the way how culture, and I want you to maybe talk about culture as well. For me, the face world culture is about enabling other people to put trust in them uh, not because somebody's 25, automatically I know more and you should listen to me. No, I hired you because I think you're really sufficient, really good at this. And mm. I always acknowledge like, oh my God, Anna, I never heard of Redbubble. That's so cool. You know, this is something I'm learning. Um, and I, I don't know, like maybe at the beginning, there's a bit of a resistance of, wow, I thought I'm here to check off the list because I, I felt like I have to convince a lot of people that's not what I'm about. And they're like, but wait a minute, but, you know, it took quite a bit. Yeah. What do you think of this type of a uh, culture and what I, what I said? Yeah. I mean, so there's, there's two things, right? The first is setting that expectation for the role. I think, 
uh, one of my favorite quotes is, um, unexpressed expectations are nothing more than premeditated resentments. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta get clear on what the expectations are. And then I think that, you know, recognizing there are people who cannot think at that strategic level who are just, they just don't have the skills to, to like be that partner, to have the plan, to mm-hmm. be the expert. And that's okay. It's just knowing and giving yourself permission to hire people that are smarter than you. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, for me, I own Golden Key Partnership. We also have a family business and I went on a hiring spree um, just a few months ago. Because, you know, as one of the biggest things as you grow your business is business entropy. And that's that's kind of what I help clear out is all the cobwebs and messiness and muddledness. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I hired three strategic people. And I know without a doubt that I hired the right people because they don't come to me with problems. They come to me with solutions. And I almost always learn something every week where I'm like, oh, that's cool. I didn't know you could do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, um, my operations manager, Faith, I love her. She, uh, she comes to me frequently and says, Hey, I had this idea on how you could get more, um, visibility or let's try this out. And mm-hmm. so they're always coming to me thinking about how to grow the business because they're vested. And also they're so like in it to win it because they're in their superpower and their flow that it just comes naturally, right? They're thinking of things all the time that relate to their zone of genius. And so it makes everybody level up and it gives me the opportunity to free my mind, free my day, you know, be the captain of the ship, make sure the ship's actually (laughs) floating on water Mm -hmm. um, rather than trying to have to manage all these people and figure out what they should or shouldn't be doing. They tell me what they need me to add. And then I let them run with their plan. And it makes for very happy employees. It makes for a very happy work environment that's collaborative. And it's just, it's nice. Yeah. And I must say that now you're sitting at your home office. And then I think it's easy to imagine that you've done really well and pretty comfortable with the transition during the pandemic. I mean, it's my own assumption. Uh, Do you feel like you were set up for success based on the way that you've been running your business? I assume mostly remotely with help or, or has the pandemic kind of, uh, you know, their kind of consequences, I mean, which is true for everyone, but what has it been like for you? Yeah. So, um, you know, I've had, I've had an office in the past, um, I went fully remote, I guess, four years ago with in my home office, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. I joke that as an introvert, I know that's funny because I'm on an interview right now, but as an introvert, I was I was made for the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we were we were really I'm very grateful that Golden Key Partnership was in a place that, you know, we are an essential. Um, component to business. And, you know, we helped a lot of our clients pivot properly and weather the storm. Um, and in our family business, I'm actually very grateful for the pandemic simply because um, even though, you know, I have a world-renowned consulting practice and clients all over the world, my father sometimes doesn't listen to me because I'm his daughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've been saying that we had a certain concentrated risk in our business 
and that we needed to fix it. And he was kind of like, oh, whatever, I hear you, but it's not a big thing. And then boom, COVID hit. And I was like, that was the concentrated risk I was talking about. Like I've been working behind the scenes to like make sure we were covered. And thankfully, you know, we were, we were okay, but it was like, I ne- he needed that to, to kind of shed some light on, oh, Lauren's been whispering this in my ear for years. She was right. <laughs> I, I know. I, I definitely felt that with a number of my friends and, and uh, colleagues and people I've worked with in the past. Um, and by the way, what is your family business about? Like what type of industry is it in? Yeah. So it's a, it's a custom tack shop for horses, um, a rated hunter jumpers. Yeah. Where we, it's a mobile tack shop. We're mostly in Southern California, but we ship all over the world and have clients all over the world. Mm -hmm. Wow. So what, what are some of the not turkey or whatever these phrases actually mean, but what are some of the things that you're able to pivot and, and transition maybe for the family business? What are some of the things you had to do to make a work in this new norm? Yeah. So the first thing is, um, I had to look at where our weak points were. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have a, we have a couple still, uh, one was in customer service where it was just a few people that like some things got dropped in the cracks and things like that. The second was, um, just in our supply chain, Mm -hmm. um, which is something actually we can't control. And then, uh, the third was, um, our, our presence. So not being the best kept secret. So, um, I went on this like hiring spree and I also said, that's it. We're going to build a new website or redo this website. We're going to, um, bring on like a true marketing manager. Um, Katie, she's amazing. I told her she can never leave because she's just so great. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, just even though it's been a very successful business for 30 years, it was time to level up and, and really start playing a different game to expand our backyard and the people that we could help. Mm, that's so exciting. Wow. I had no idea that's your family business. I mean, yeah, yeah I know nothing about it. I mean, do you happen to like, do you ride horses? I mean, what do you, part of your recreation or? <laughs> so um, I, joke that I could ski and ride shortly after I could walk. Um, my mom rode horses, my dad, grandparents, they all grew up riding. My grandfather played ponies. My grandmother rode hunter jumpers as did my dad and my mom. So it's like in our blood, I don't currently ride, but I am looking to get back into it here very soon. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's something that, um, which actually is an interesting point about the more specific you, you are and that you know what you're looking for in a role or a team member, the easier hiring will be. Mm-hmm. Cause like our industry is something that not a lot of people know about. And it's also not something that you can like just research on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of, a lot of people when I was interviewing were like, Oh yeah, I can learn. And I'm like, no, it's like, it's like in your blood or it's not. And you understand our lingo or you don't like, it's like a secret society in a weird way. So yeah, it's very fun. Very fun though. Hmm. Love that. So one thing I want to pivot to, uh, before we get there, you were uh, in New York, right? New York city, Lauren, New York. Um, I mean, I was visiting in December. I live in Austin. Oh, you live in Austin. I don't know why. Everything about you, I just assume. I'm like, New York, horse, 
writing. Oh, yeah, that's going to be challenging. Is but, it my hair? My skin hair? Yeah, so you're in Austin. Wow, that's a yeah. very, very happening place. Um, last time we talked about the subject, kind of a sticky subject that a lot of people, especially early and more seasoned entrepreneurs, aren't ready to talk about, and it's painful, which is pricing. Uh, you know, you and I were very open about this. And I admittedly speaking that, uh, you know, for people who are starting out, they're probably like, oh my God, Faye, you're, you're, you're making, to be frank, you know, six figures, but I'm not multi six figures, right? Um, I used to be when I was doing more project management work without really transitioning into being an entrepreneur, doing the stuff that I love doing. Um, and then, you know, so I think a lot of people are just, saying like, I love doing this. They're clearly good at it, but like, how much do I charge? Ugh, like it's a, just a ob- very ugly topic. And unfortunately people don't have anyone else to talk to. I mean, if they approach their parents, their siblings, they might not be entrepreneurs. They may be holding full-time jobs and they can only give you so much data and information based on what they know. So um, you and I hit it off on this. So I want you to maybe be uh, sharing with us how, you know, how people should go about charging. What, like, what does value-based mean? Like, why projects? The project is hourly, like, yeah. Oh, gosh, that is a, that is a heavy topic. Um, so I'm personally, I'm not a fan of hourly. Um, I think it serves purposes for, um, for different things. Mm -hmm. Um, with my clients, I just find that, we work better when we don't have like a ticking clock in the back of our mind. Mm -hmm. Um, and also to that point, the, the, the higher, um, echelon of companies you start working with, the more they value time Mm -hmm. over money. So a lot of my clients don't take up a lot of time because they want to get in and they want to get out. (laughs) They want to get a solution to the problem and move forward. And so I get this question quite a lot. And the, (laughs) the, the silly answer is like, throw out a number and see how it goes. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also think your, your prices should, should continue to go up. Um, but the, the analogy that I love to use in terms of pricing is it's like a fable or this, um, this like production plan or something went down, um, and they just, they couldn't figure out what the problem was. So they called an expert. He came in, he looked at it for like two seconds, scratched his chin, went and got a, like this little hand, hit it in like one particular spot. And it all started working again. And he like scribbled out a bill and, and handed it to the, the foreman and it was $10,000. And he was like, $10,000, are you kidding? That took you like five minutes. Mm-hmm. And so he took it back, scribbled it out, wrote, um, like five minutes and put like $10. And then it was like knowing, um, I don't know. He said hitting the thing, $5, 10 years experience or 20 years experience, knowing what thing to hit $9,990 right. <laughs> or something right. like that. And I think that, that when pricing, that's what's really important to remember is it's not the value in the moment. It's the lifetime value. Like I know the business breakthroughs and bottleneck busting that I do with my clients in terms of operations and team, 
will generate them hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars of revenue over time. And so if you think about it, you know, from like, what is the actual transformation you're helping them have, whether it's, you know, a better life or a better business or more money or Mm -hmm. feeling better, like you have to look at that. And then, um, you just, just test the market, see, see what other people are charging, not to compare, but just to like get some apples to apples sort of thing. And then pick a number and then make sure that everybody is clear on why you're different and more valuable than, you know, Jenny on the block. Mm -hmm. And one thing I I think as a, what I have learned, I've been running my business, I mean, officially as an LLC since January, 2016. So I, uh, you know, I'm about what, like fifth year in at this point. And one thing I want to remind people who are watching this now or later uh, as a recording is that a really takes time. And that amount of time differs from people, person to person, business to business. And for me, I started to really realize and exercise value-based consulting, Really, I think more recently, I would say in the past couple of years. Um, Before that, it was more thinking about, here's my hourly rate, how many hours can fit uh, in the day uh, throughout the course of a week. Um, So it's definitely more painful. However, it was easier to calculate, right? It was easier for you to sell an hourly thing and for you to be so high touch and medium value, like really high touch, tons of emails. So what I think what Lauren is also describing is that you could provide tremendous amount of value, let you use some measurement, like without sending thousands of emails. Like I, I can imagine, envision already, if you look, get into a Lauren's inbox, maybe there are clients who you've been working with for months, if not years, who didn't have to send you 18 or I don't know, a hundred emails every day, probably not even one email every day, nope. right? Yep. Yep, exactly. And I I think that you hit the nail on the head because something really important to think about is like, what kind of quality of life do you want, right? So um, I have a business coach. I think every business owner needs somebody in their corner who can help them get out of their own way. Um, But one of the first things we did, um, because, you know, I took COVID to as a chance to like look at my own business and see where we could level up, what needed to go away, what needed to stay. And she's like, well, tell me, like, what are your days? What do you want your days to look like? How many new clients do you want? Um, How much money do you want to make? What kind of lifestyle do you want to have? Because I really don't think us entrepreneurs said one day, I'm going to start a business so that I can have no life, work twice as hard as I was working, doing whatever I was doing before, and like go to the grave, haggard, exhausted, unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. Like none of us said that. So, but I think we forget to intentionally plan what we want our business to look like and plan our life, um, our business around our life rather than our life around our business. Mm -hmm. And so for me, because it's not hourly and I know that like you could have a million dollar idea in 15 minutes with me versus, you know, five months and stringing it along, Mm -hmm. I'm much more comfortable and my clients are much more comfortable having you know, saying as you need them calls rather than saying, we're going to have a weekly call and we're going to talk about this and this and this. It's more like, I need you right now. Let's talk about this. And then I can say, okay, I have this many slots on Tuesdays, this many slots on Wednesdays. These are when I do my breakthroughs. If you want a VIP day, those are on Fridays. Mm-hmm. And like, it allows me to know what my week's going to look like, what my day's going to look like. And it like removes any sort of 
stress or uncertainty because it just flows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you mentioned, you know, vision and zones of genius, uh, all those things. So I think the mistakes a lot of people make in order to go from, to have their own business breakthrough, not just with their clients, is the way that they talk about themselves, their business. And something that kind of uh, stuck with me is that you talk about when, when someone thinks about their own business, right? It's not just think about, you know, like the vehicles that get you there. It's not talking about kind of the airplanes or this and that. It's about the destination uh, mm-hmm. where people are arriving at. And I personally believe that the the process does matter somewhat because I'm someone who likes to know, like I'm sitting in, I don't know, business or coach, like, am I going to be comfortable? How many you know, connection flies are there? But to a certain degree, but most, mostly people care about that w- they're going to get there and um, what you can offer them uh, to help. So um, like, how do you, like, I'm going to use a, a normal example of someone who is not necessarily breakthrough business coach, uh, but someone, let's say we have a lot of designers, uh, UX designers, uh, visual designers, website builders. So these people who believe they're doing important, but more mundane mm-hmm. sort of uh, like, how do these people go about positioning themselves so that their business ideas could be more compelling so that they can charge more so that they don't have to take so many clients to live a fulfilling and, you know, fruitful life. Yeah. So I love designers. Um, and I think that the biggest thing that I can say is what they're doing is bringing an entrepreneur's vision to life and creating, you know, a platform for their voice. So if you're building a website or doing marketing collateral or logos, mm-hmm. like you're building something that should hopefully stand the test of time that's going to be the entrepreneur's personality come to life. And so, you know, I know with our website, let's say it costs us $20,000 to build it. Mm -hmm. It's going to bring in probably millions of dollars because the designer that I've hired is the trusted expert to help me with UX, UI, you know, conversions, bounce rates, all of those things. And so just like people hire me to bust bottlenecks and help with operations and team. They're hiring designers to take something that they're having a hard time articulating and putting it out into the world so that they can make a bigger impact. So you should definitely be charging well what you're worth because the the asset that you're creating is going to keep paying dividends over and over. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. I, I want to dive in a little bit more because I know that, uh, as you know, there it, it's kind of a two-part or like a multifaceted type of question because we are asking people, it doesn't matter if you're 25, 45, to rethink business, rethink how you package yourself, like yourself as a product and people mm-hmm. get it at this you know spiritual level. They get it. It's like, okay, everybody's an entrepreneur these days. But how exactly do you do it? And uh, how do you actually talk about your own business? Like, that's quite different than just imagining it. Um, So the reality is a lot of the copywriters, designers are, as freelancers, are still billing hourly because they're kind of forced into that corner. Um, Whereas something as you, what you're describing, I can also imagine entrepreneurs want trusted resources to say, 
that's it. You're on a retainer, right? You're on whatever, $2,000, $5,000, depending on the amount of work, you know, if I'm the only client you have versus uh, one of many. So do you think that could be a business model that also works? I mean, I, I think so. I think with some guardrails that could work for designers to kind of retain themselves, have built retainers around their businesses. Yeah. So um, I'm going to say something very contrary um, and maybe controversial. I think traditional retainers are crap. (laughs) Yeah. What's crappy about what's a truth? Help us define a traditional retainer or what's, what's a crappy about it. So a traditional retainer is where somebody pays up front and you start deducting hours. Right. And Mm -hmm. like eventually you have to refresh it. Mm -hmm. Um, I find those to be very stressful. I feel they're also not driven around value. Um, They may work for lawyers, um, CPAs, even though I think they're also transitioning away from that model. Mm. What I do like is monthly investment and you choose your own adventure because, and maybe it's, you know, I'm working with a different caliber of people, but um, I should not always be somebody being like, oh, let's work on this or let's work on this. Like I'm, I do that, but I'm also a trusted advisor that when things pop up that I maybe didn't know about, or we didn't anticipate that I'm there as a resource to not only help them earn money, Mm. but actually save money. I mean, that's a lot of the work that I do is how can you increase your profit margins by not having all of these revenue leaks? Like don't Mm -hmm. go spend a hundred thousand dollars on a marketing budget when you have this leak here that all that money is going to go to waste. So I'm not a fan of retainers in the traditional sense. I am, however, completely in favor of monthly investments where they're committed to you, you're committed to them, and you are that trusted advisor and resource. Mm-hmm. Um, for artists, I know that might be a little bit, I just blew your mind or you're like, this is impossible. Mm-hmm. But um, I think if you set the expectation up in the beginning, it can definitely work. And I think it's also going to help them value your time more as, as crazy as that sounds, because you're obviously not exchanging time for money per se, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but, um, that's, that's my like gut feeling about it. And I think honestly, when it comes to artists and design, like things pop up. So if they know that they have a safe runway with you, Mm -hmm. that's like post launch, Mm -hmm. then that's going to create a really awesome collaboration and trust and, and relationship moving forward. Mm-hmm. I, I like what you said about this. And then this is again, part of a discussion, right? Like for everyone who's watching this, uh, it's not like Laura and I have scripted something. I sent her questions. Uh, she's really mm-hmm. responding to this kind of on an ad hoc basis. And I think there, when it comes to businesses and I want to maybe speak to the way that I've been running my business and there are other types of business. I'm really curious and building and I have a mentor uh, you know, who is very humble and said that he doesn't really care about whether I mentioned him or not. So for a comf- to, to keep him somewhat confidential, I have learned really a lot from him recently that he runs a Facebook ads kind of lead gen type of business for a very, very niche audience is what it comes down to. So he is very, very low touch yet very, very high value. So, uh, you know, low touch meaning, you know, he could be exchanging 10 emails with his clients 
who's been with him since January. It blows my mind for him to look at his inbox and realize, wow. And yet he's generating for every $2,000 that his clients spend on him, on, on this business model, then he's able to generate twenty dollars to $30,000 worth of customers and leads. It was yeah. mind-blowing. And very little email, he's sitting back. Whereas I, that's not at all the way I run my business, as, as guilty as I am. I love the work, but it's very, very high touch. And honestly, I cannot say that, oh, you pay me $2,000 next month, there's going to be $30,000 sitting in the bank for you. I don't have that uh, power, yet I'm sort of in the business of helping people build a body of work. There is a transition period. Yes, they're going to get there, but it's less direct. Like, um, so that's kind of a what I'm into, I'm making uh, transitions into. But it's so fascinating. I just find, I don't know, I just find business, building a business, enhancing the existing one to be this topic I can get tired of. Yeah. Can I can I speak to that really quickly? Oh, yes, um, please. So I think we get stuck in the ROI being money, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. I make my clients a lot of money. I also save them a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But when you can sell something intangible, you actually can charge more. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So like if you're creating this body of work, and I think we had this conversation, I said, what you're really selling is a legacy. Mm -hmm. And that is something that's literally, like you cannot put a price tag on that. Mm -hmm. And so like, yes, you could charge what you want. Obviously don't be userous and a dick about it, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) just like charge the value of what that's going to be for the lifetime because everybody a disservice if you're not charging your value mm-hmm. and you're not helping them see the value because this is actually a really interesting paradox. So I have kind of a hybrid, high touch, high value business. You know, first you can have a business breakthrough. And then if you don't want to continue with us, which most people do want to continue with us in that container as a trusted advisor. But if you don't and you want to run with it with your team, high five, it's totally fine. Then we have a, you know, a five month container and then we have a 12 month container and the 12 month is really where I'm like your interim CEO or locked arms. The highest paying clients I have take the least amount of time. Yeah. Like the lower clients almost always take more time. And it's because when you start getting into the bigger numbers, you start attracting and working with people that value time over money. And more often they value their own time. They're not looking for something that's going to be like six to eight weeks. They're looking for something like to get in, to get out, Mm -hmm. um, or to know that it's a long game, but still have that like quick win. Mm -hmm. And so like, I think that that's probably one of the lessons is when you start charging what worth, not only do you attract higher quality people that value your work, you also start having a better life. And my favorite part is you stop presenting your clients Mm -hmm. um, because this is something that I do see quite often um, is when you undervalue yourself and you undercharge and you have a client that's just taking, 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 and you feel like you can't Mm -hmm. get out from underneath them. Mm -hmm. And suddenly the scales have tipped where you're like, shit, I should have charged. Sorry, I just said Mm -hmm. it up Yeah, that's okay. charged for I should have charged more. This is way more work than I thought. Mm-hmm. And like suddenly you're in this no man's land where you're just getting like beat down. Mm-hmm. Like we've all had those clients. 
Mm-hmm. But you have far less of those clients when you start charging your value and you show them what your value is and why you're different and how you're selling the intangible. Because yes, I sell, sell re- I don't sell revenue, but yes, I help my clients have mm-hmm. more revenue, more profitability, et cetera. But like, I really help them be happier CEOs, have better teams, like just like live a better life. Those are all secondary gains to what the primary one is. So I think that that's something really important to keep in mind is we've all got tertiary and primary and secondary gains. Mm-hmm. So you need to address all of those and help your clients see that. And that's our job really is to show them the gap that they're in. Mm-hmm. Like you are here with this problem. You want to be here with the solution. So there's this gap and I'm the bridge to cover that gap and help you get there. Can we talk about how to get better clients as well? I realize that you were talking about like more personal development and, and business and how we charge more, how we get clear on our message. What are some things that we can do to get better clients? And if I may just add some specifics to that as well is clients who are willing to pay, client who not just have a deeper pocket, but also appreciate time, your value. But in general, I sometimes see myself as well, but some of my colleagues going after people really without a lot of money. And I think that create a lot of a desperation and, mm-hmm. um, you know, where this, if this is the way I say it is like, look, if this is the last 5,000, this is the last $10,000 you have. I don't want it. Stay exactly. away from me. Like, I don't want, I don't want it. You know, like you got to feed yourself, your kids first, everything else should come as a priority. Like, how do we go get the right clients? Yeah. So the first step I would say is you have to be really, really clear on who you can not only help, but like truly help. Like I have Mm -hmm. like in the scheme of things, I could probably help every business owner have some improvement, have better revenue, better profitability. Like that's a broad statement, but pretty accurate. But I know that seven-figure businesses in, you know, these five industries mm-hmm. with teams of at least five to say 50, mm-hmm. they're the ones that are going to get the X, 20X, 30X, 100X ROI because I know what their problems are. I know the solutions I have for them and I know, and I know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And so if you're like muddled about who you're targeting and by the way, I did not get this clarity from day one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It really like, takes time. Yeah, I like it takes time and you fumble through it and you feel for it and you're like, I think this is them. But then you're like, oh, that really wasn't. So it's something that takes time, but you have to be really conscious about it. So I think mm-hmm. that's first. The first one is be really clear about who you're serving and who's going to have the best chance of success and that transformation. And then number two, this is so stupid simple. You have to charge more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If, if you want to have better clients, like there, there's this really interesting paradox, right? If you charge too little, they're going to be like, what's wrong with this person, right? <laughs> hey, I'm getting a much, discount. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. They're like, this is weird. Um, but if you charge too much, then they're going to be like, who is this crazy person? So you have to find that, mm-hmm. that Goldilocks spot. But I will tell you that probably I would say right around the 5K mm-hmm. um, 
like to work with me point from a few years ago was when my clients started shifting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it makes it so much easier because I can, I could say like, if you don't have the money, like that tells me a lot of things about your business and your profitability. And it also tells me a lot of red flags about how I'll be able mm. to help you. So it's a really awesome way to filter out the noise and the tire kickers and the people that you could help, but probably either aren't going to execute on what you give them because they don't have the funds or the mental mindset or something Mm -hmm. um, versus the people that are going to take what you have super, be super excited, value it and run with it and tell all their friends. Yeah. I love the last point. A very referable business is the way to go. And by the way, when you say 5K or roughly that's 5K a month, right? Not mm-hmm. even project-based. So, I mean, when you, uh, I think that's something to remind people who are not really in the retainer or uh, your own entrepreneurial journey just yet. Um, we do often talk uh, talk a lot about the the lifetime value of a customer. So let's say if Lauren's working with someone on an annual basis, like 12 months, uh, right there, that's $60,000, right? Um, and then oftentimes, you know, you run these multi-year gigs where they kind of repeated customers. So that's definitely something to consider. This isn't something that you work for someone for a year and you were able to get five grand out of it. Like that's not what we're talking about. Um, so I think yeah. the clarity is huge. I think what I've been challenged a, a, a lot about, and also when I talk to other people, it becomes really clear. Whoever you want to serve uh, needs to be uh, very specific and very clearly defined. I think Lauren, just again, as a re, you know repeated statement, five to 25 people in a company, seven figure, you know, and so what she's describing here is the customers need to be at a point A. That point A is not a college graduate. That point A is not whoever, you know, how the customers define themselves or say, I am a point A. I think Lauren is perfect for me because then, you know, you're in a situation that you can say, sorry, you're not. You really have to get to this point. Mm -hmm. You think you're here, but you're not. And therefore our partnerships might not be good. So, can you talk about like pushing away customers? I can't believe I just got to that point naturally, but like, did you, how do you say no to customers? How do you, you know, like what, how, how do you go about that process? It must be painful at the beginning. Oh, it's painful at the beginning. Um, but it's painful at the beginning if you're not charging enough because you need every dollar, right? And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, you're like in this weird, like desperate, I don't, I can't afford to turn them away. Mm-hmm. Um but actually I'll tell you a great story. So this happened last week, actually. I am. Um, so my, my price points have actually increased over the years. So they're not just at five, five mm-hmm. K. So, um, I said, I was talking to this, this business owner who, you know, has a seven figure business has a team of 35, like all the, all the check boxes. And it's just like red flag after red flag after <laughs> red flag, mm-hmm. And, you know, wanting all these guarantees and this Mm. and that. And um, not to say that I don't guarantee my work. I do with the caveat of like, I can't do the work for you, right? Like this is -hmm. is a work together. I'm a consultant. I'm a trusted advisor. But at the end of the day, you got to do your stuff. Um, And at first I was like, well, it's going to be a pretty sizable Mm -hmm. engagement. And I was like, yeah, it's not worth it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I actually emailed and I said, you know, 
Um, cause we got off the call and he said, send me some follow-up stuff. And, and I really just sat with it for a minute. And I said in the email, you know, thank you for your time. I've really thought about it. Um, what I realized is that you're looking for X. That is not what I do. I don't think you're at a point where our work together would really benefit you to the highest potential. I don't know what I said, but mm-hmm. essentially it was, it's not me, it's you. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, and I just, I, it was, it was such a relief, right? Because when you take on a client that really isn't a fit for you, that's trying to create something outside of your norm, Mm -hmm. I can tell you with almost hundred percent certainty, it wreaks havoc on your business. It wreaks havoc on your mental fortitude, your work, your relationships. Like it just has these toxic ripple effects Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter how much money they pay you like the cost of bringing that person on, like, because it takes away the opportunity to work with the right person and a person that you love working with and they love you. And it's just a happy symbiotic relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I can tell you after doing this for 10 years, I am like so quick to be like, not a fit. Mm -hmm. Like you may have all the criteria, but there's, there's certain aspects of a leader and a CEO that I look for that they have to have for me to work with them. And one of those things is coachability, you know, mm-hmm. desire to do better, being a leading learner. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a tough, it's a tough discussion to have and it sucks, but I can tell you every time I said yes to somebody who I wasn't fully aligned with, it was a shit show and I yeah. hated my life. And every time I said no, I got an even better client within a few weeks. Yeah, I, yes, I agree with that. And then there's certain instincts that you build over time as an entrepreneur, you just know it. So for example, I'm someone who, if you book a meeting with me, I'm there early, I prepare, I send those, I mean, all the behaviors as a project manager. And yeah. recently somebody said, oh, I watch a YouTube channel. I want you to, uh, you know, come speak to my group. And um, and then the person is like, but what if you don't show up? You know, I will, you know, the payment terms, all that. Immediately, I just like this ripple effect would be like, wow, this person, I don't blame him because he doesn't know me. But at the same time, it's everything he described as a potential that could happen is against my my core value. And, you know, this is... And then something like, oh, I was so excited to speak in front of the group. And now I'm thinking, uh, you know, let's let's work it out. But obviously that's a much smaller one-time engagement. If you are signing up for a retainer client, you really got to be careful who you choose. Um, and like you said, walking away is definitely not the worst option. So um, I know I'm, we're running a little uh, uh, short on time. I do want to ask one more question because your business now is very mature after 10 years. A lot of referred, uh, referrals in general, uh, you know, you don't, you probably don't need to rely on advertising and all that stuff Stop. anymore. But mm-hmm. what about at the beginning? Like if you were to take us eight years back, 10 years ago, uh, what did you do to actually build up the business when nobody knew, heard about you? Maybe not a lot of credentials. Maybe you're not a a writer for Forbes or whatever, Fortune 300, <laughs> you know, like what, what did you do then? Yeah. So actually I'm in the middle of um, not rebuilding, but next level building right now. Mm-hmm. And so the things I'm doing now are the same things I did then. Cause I think um, it's the curse of knowledge. The more you get in your business, the more you forget how you really got there. Yeah. Um, 
And I was very thankful for COVID because it gave some time to pause and look at my own business and figure out like, where do I want it to go? Am I happy? Am I fulfilled? Am I doing the best work? Like, what does that look like? And so if I go back in time 10 years and also right now, the the thing I will say wholeheartedly is um, I don't do marketing in the traditional sense of cold marketing. I don't believe that it's really effective in building trust with the people that you want to work with. And mm-hmm. so what I do is conscious visibility and conscious connection with my network. So what that does is it gives, you know, a certain amount of visibility that builds trust with people that might happen across me. But also when I um, connect with my network and, you know, tell them who I'm looking to connect with and what I'm up to and also see how I can help them. It creates a synergy, but also it transfers trust because Mm -hmm. if I have somebody like, I'll give you a perfect example. Yesterday, um, I posted in one of the groups that I'm a part of, which is a bunch of really kick butt entrepreneurs. (laughs) I said, Hey, does anybody know someone that can help me do an intro and outro video for my golden nugget weekly video series? Mm-hmm. Um, and within minutes, you know, I had a couple people that said like, mm-hmm. you need to talk to Jen. And then like, everybody was like, yeah, Jen's the best. Jen's the best. Right. Mm-hmm. I've never met Jen, but because my friend Mike referred her to me and then, you know, a couple of other people commented, it was like instant credibility, instant trust. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most important thing when you're starting is looking at the quickest path to credibility and trust, which generally comes from your human to human connections. And mm-hmm. so I don't recommend, I mean, I, mean, I can't give business advice to businesses <laughs> I'm not working with to so take this with a grain of salt, but I don't recommend, you know, running cold traffic ads or paid ads or anything like that until you've, you know, served at least a hundred customers, you have everything dialed in and you have like a cold funnel or pathway customer journey to walk them through. Otherwise you're just spending dollars on maybe getting people that are right for you versus, you know, going into your warm connections, finding those people that really understand you that can be referred to you Mm -hmm. and like having those conversations. And then once you're on the call, the best advice I got was from my mentor where she said, each call needs to have, you know, three, like one of possible three options. Mm -hmm. Either they're a connection for you that can connect you and refer you to other people. They become a client or they like buy something else, whether that's, you know, one of my breakthrough business workshops um, or like a profile debrief, which is like really the entrepreneurs love that because it's a, you basically figure out what your unique entrepreneurial profile is. And then um, that helps you figure out exactly the team you need around you. And so I, that like those sell like hotcakes. Um, and that way, everything you're doing is with a purpose. Cause I know it's really easy to like do all the things and you should be on Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat and Twitter and Facebook, and you should start a group and an email list. And it's like, holy crap, that is really exhausting. So I recommend going back to basics, connect with people. That's where it's at. And like, for me, I know most of my clients are on LinkedIn. So yes, I, I dabble in Facebook, but it's not like consuming me. Mm-hmm. It's just very, it's very methodical and thoughtful and 
That's my advice. I know that was a long answer. <laughs> no, no, it's perfectly fine. And uh, definitely think about social media where you want to target, where your people actually are. And, um, you know, be very thoughtful, thoughtful about content creation and connection. So I think I know exactly which group uh, Lauren's referring to because I'm part of that group as well. Yay. So, yeah. So if you're not part of a mastermind, you can create your own or you can be in search for a group of people who resonate with you, who understand who you are. And I'm not talking about just family and friends. In fact, a lot of the times you do want to break out of your the proximity of your colleagues from work, the people who you're already very familiar with. Um, the more diverse, the better, in my opinion, and more international, the more interesting too. Um, so, and I also personally find that running my podcast since 2014, uh, as well as starting YouTube last year, all of a sudden just drew in a lot of leads, whether they're good, good quality, not so good quality leads, but still people are like ready to pay because they feel like they know me through my videos. Um, yeah. It's really fascinating. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Any closing uh, statements, Laura? How do people get to know you? Where should they connect with you? Where do you prefer to connect with you? Uh, So the best way to connect with me is probably through um, our website, which is goldenkeypartnership.com. I am on all the social channels. Um, If you you want to send us an email at hello at goldenkeypartnership.com. But yeah, I... I, we have some great resources on our website. Um, you know, anything from like team assessments to quarterly planning. Um, yeah, we just, I put, I put all my good stuff there. And if you follow me on social, I've also started doing a golden nugget weekly, uh, video series where I talk about either a question a client, um, has given me or, um, busting some myths. I talked about uh, what to do with toxic team members actually this week, which was, has been getting a lot of great feedback. So yeah. (laughs) Clearly that's much needed. That just shows, right? Um, Thank you so much, Lauren. This has been very fun. All the descriptions, the links are, are actually there in the description of the video you're watching, no matter where you are. This episode of the Face World podcast is brought to you by Face World LLC, our marketing service agency created for independent creators and businesses. We offer website development, video production, marketing mentorship to people who want to tell better stories, level up, and create a profitable brand. Face World podcast team are chief editor and producer Herman Ceballos, associate producer Adam Leffert, social media and content manager Rose DeLeon, transcript editor Alina Ahmedova, and lastly myself, the creator and host of Phase World. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>